0: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Right, so today we are indeed going to be talking about the tag team demolition. So please just let me get it out of my system. Because Smash was played by Barry Darso, and Barry Darso would go on to become Repo Man... In case you don't know, I'm not joking, I'm serious. I think Repo Man is the best wrestling gimmick ever. Because for me, it just sums up pro wrestling and how there is no rules and you can be as creative and as ridiculous as you like. And here we are 30 years later. It still makes me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum -tum. That aside, though, most people do indeed remember Axe and Smash as one of the best wrestling tag teams ever in Demolition. And that is what we're talking about today. WWE needs to fix this damn mistake. Why? Here's why. So firstly, let's go back to the roots. Like a plant. Because before we did have Bill Edie' as Axe and Barry Darso as Smash, Bill was actually teaming up with someone else's demolition, and it was Moondog Rex. Because he got repackaged as Smashed in 1987, And then somebody pulled the trigger, and away we went. as Johnny V was also their manager, which is the greatest name ever. And kind of crazy, they only had three matches together before they were split up, because Vince McMahon looked out on the crowd, and they were like, no, no one is buying Moondog as a part of this group. They know who he is. It's never going to work. It's actually amazing this happened down to how the audience was responding to him, because you can leap into the future when Matt Bloom or Albert was brought back to the WWE as Lord Tensign. And even though everyone was there, was going, pff, pff, we know who you are, weird drawing man on your face. We still tried to get this over. The Vince Man actually could have learned from himself. The powers that be did act with this one, though, when they turned to Jim Crockett Promotions and they hired Crusher Khrushchev. So if we zoom forward to March of that year, all of a sudden Barry Darso had been brought in by Smash. And Johnny had sold the managerial rights, which is a very weird thing, to Mr. Fuji... And it was time to go. Clearly based on the Road Warriors, because the WWF wanted a piece of that action, they were pushed like crazy. And as the months went on, it was quite clear, holy cow, we have something here. It was also during an era when the World Wrestling Federation was just drowning in talent, because you had the Heart Foundation, you had the Bulldogs, you had the Killer Bees, you had the Rougeos, you had Strike Force, and a bunch of other teams it was pretty good people to tangle with. The glaring hole is that we did need a pairing that could just be monsters and tear through people, which is what Hawk and Animal have been doing for years. And Axe and Smash found this perfectly. And man, they started to make some magic. In fact, they were booked to be so dominant that we got to September when they took on Bret Hart and Jimmy Anvil Neidhart and they beat them for the tag team titles. Well, kind of. That would have happened. But instead, it ended in a double DQ. When we get to the following march though, this did actually happen for real, when Straight Force held the titles, Axe and Smash beat them, they had gold around their waist and as you probably know, they then held on to these for 478 days, which of course was a record for a long ass time. They also defended those belts on 46 occasions, I don't want to keep throwing numbers at you, but that's just silly. 46 times, they put the gold up for grabs and they never lost. And people wonder why they got so popular speed forward to july 1989 and yes very sadly they lost to the brain busters but here's the most important piece of the puzzle they weren't kicked to the side they weren't forgotten about in fact we were kind of just starting because throughout all of this mr fuji had turned on his boys which meant demolition were now babyface but all of a sudden that opened up the door for them to have a program with a bunch more teams and because ax and smash are so damn smart they didn't change their presentation they didn't change the way they were acting all that has switched were the opponents they now wanted to beat up, so everybody cheered them. It was in November when they did get their titles back from Tully and Arn, and then this kind of got a bit weird, because this time they only held them for 72 days, before they lost them to Andre the Giant and Haku. you saw that coming. This was all part of the plan though, because their militia then went to WrestleMania, where they beat these two, but this time we did far better, because they held on to them for 148 days so their stats continued to rise and rise and rise I can only assume Vince McMahon looked at it and went man we need some sports entertainment here because to try and give them a bit more legs we also added a third member thanks to the late great Brian Adams he came in as crush and this is when we tried to turn Demolition heel a little bit because they started going listen we know we're the tag team champions, but now we are insta-getting the free bird rule, which of course meant they just cheated all the time. I actually quite like this, I thought it was starting. The truth of the matter was far more sad though, because actually behind the scenes, Vince McMahon had started to worry about Bill Eadie's health after he had gone through a bit of a scare after reacting to some shellfish of all things. So basically Vinnie Mack was like, man, what if this keeps happening again, which is why he added Brian Adams. It just meant that we could continue to rotate people and the act could keep their momentum. Now, do not get me wrong, all of this worked and crushed fitting greatly, but it's just how people react to things. Because we were so used to seeing Demolition as a tag team, when you added a third guy, people were just like, well, I don't like it as much as I did that's just how your brain works. No rhyme or reason to it. We're weird, weird creatures. More importantly than all of that is that soon after, we had a Legion of Doom problem. There's nothing on my wrist. Because after years away from the WWF, Hawk and Animal did sign when they came in as the LOD. And then it was like, wait a minute. The demolition are meant to be World Wrestling Federation's road warriors. But now you have the road warriors. Have we created a paradox? It really does beg the question, what do we do here? Well, I'll tell you. We did Legion of Doom versus Demolition, and Demolition lost over and over and over again, especially because do you know who Hawk and Animal's third guy was? It was the ultimate warrior. This also happened at Survivor Series when Mr. Perfect and Kerry Von Erich were thrown into the mix. And you couldn't help it. You just started being like, man, demolition, they never win anymore. Maybe the Legion of Doom were better. This actually led to Axe leaving the company because he didn't much like creative, which kind of makes all the sense in the world. And then by 1991, every single guy had gone like i can't believe it demolition is over now this obviously was the best thing ever because darso would eventually return as repo man but that doesn't take away from the legacy that demolition left and if you are of a certain generation you probably see these guys as one of the best tag teams ever and you should but it doesn't feel as big now because groups like the new day have also gone a decade but they were together four years and we've already talked about the records that they set. I mean, it was the New Day that broke their 400, whatever it was, longest rain thing in 2016. And that was made a big deal of too. And do you want to know why? The demolition were great. I mean, they also changed the game with their Innovative Moves entrance theme and the fact they were walking around looking like Kiss. I mean, that just stuff always worked in the 80s, and they knew it. In case it hasn't come across either, they were also great wrestlers, whether they were babyfaces or whether they were heels. They just totally understood the game, hence why they had the run that they did. So you can see what I'm getting at here. They definitely had an influence on the past, present, and the future, which begs the question, why the hell aren't they in the Hall of Fame? I mean, a lot of their contemporaries, like the Bushwhackers, or the Four Horsemen, or the Legion of Doom, or the Heart Foundation, and so on, so on, have been inducted. So we need to fix this because it's just a massive gaping hole that needs to be plugged up with two dudes that look like demolition. And the main reason for this likely probably does come from a 2016 class action lawsuit when a bunch of wrestlers got together and they sued the WWE saying the company put them in great risk of brain damage. Now this was thrown out in 2018 but you can only assume if demolition aren't on the list to be inducted It probably comes down to the fact that they were involved in this. Now, this is a very difficult and contentious issue and not one we can really comment on here because I think it needs far more thought and far more time. But if you are going to start bringing outside influences and allowing them to determine who goes into the Hall of Fame, well, 50% of the people already in should probably be kicked out. Because if we are solely focusing on in-ring contributions and what people did for the business, I think demolition need to go in. And Edie and Darso are still active in the community. I mean, we interviewed them here on What Culture a year ago. It was wonderful. Mostly for a bunch of fans, Demolition are the tag team. It was about time we just gave them their flowers. And look, I do understand all the backstage madness and the politics, but once again, I can't get involved in that. But I can only look at it as a fan. When I see Axe and I see Smash, I actually instinctively go, well, they must have gone already before I remember they haven't. So you know the rest of the deal here. And as we have arrived, Let's put in Repo Man 2. Before you melt down, of course, WWE. They've got a celebrity wing. There should be a gimmick wing. And if you had a gimmick wing, you could put in Repo Man, you could put the doinking clown, doinking clown, doink the clown, and you can put in Mantar. Look into my eyes. Do I look like I'm joking to you? I am not. What the flub was Mantar? That would also be the Simon Miller Hall of Fame. I think it would rock. Now, of course, please do leave me a comment below and let me know what you think about all of this. Do you think demolition should go into the Hall of Fame? And who else deserves the call? Like the video, share the video, and subscribe. Plus, click one of these videos on the screen and continue your Vought Culture journey. My name is Simon Vought Culture. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. Just engage with this video as much as you can. That's what YouTube loves. It's like a father looking at a child and saying, I love you, son. You've done me proud. I don't know what we're talking about. See you soon.